Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So when it says in Psalm 49.3, Psalm 49.3, 49 verse 3, My mouth shall speak of wisdom, The meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Open my dark saying upon the harp. He's saying that when you read that, of course, we know know, David, he was a harp player, right? So, okay, oh, yeah, we think, oh, yeah, I understand that. He's just going to get his old harp out again, and he's going to, you know, play on the harp, and he's going to sing, and when he sings, he's going to uncover hidden truths, you think that until you read Mark 13:1 in Mark 13:1 where it says the same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spake many things unto them in parables saying behold a sower went forth to sow etc cetera, etc cetera. so here he is Here he is at this time. He's not on the side of a mountain. He's in a ship. He's not sitting on a mountain. He's sitting in a ship in the Sea of Galilee. And crowds are all around him. Crowds are all around him. They're not on the mountain. They're on the seashore now. And they're listening to the Lord. He's sitting down on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. He's teaching the people. He's teaching them dark sayings and parables. He's talking about sowers, sowing seed, and all sorts of things. And then... When the Lord has finished in this chapter and he's teaching all these parables, he's sitting down in the boat there and he's just as he's finished, it says in Mark 13, 35, this whole chapter about all these parables. So at the end of this, Mark 13, 35 is teaching, it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So you read that and you say, he was fulfilling a prophecy. Well, what was that prophecy? What was the prophecy he was fulfilling? The same one we just read in Psalm 49.4. Psalm 49.4, I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. You say, wait a minute, I don't remember the Lord ever playing the harp. It wasn't a harp, was it a harp? You know, was it someone brought him a harp in the boat? No, that's not what happened. He doesn't have a harp in his hand. He's not playing the harp. So what do you mean? I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. And that's a fulfillment. That's a fulfillment. Anybody know what the shape of the Sea of Galilee is? What's the shape of? It's the shape of a harp. The shape of a harp. It's so much the shape of a harp that that's its name in Hebrew. Kinneret. It's called the Sea of Kinneret. Kinneret means harp. So there sits the Lord on the Sea of Kinneret, which is the Sea of the Harp. 
He's in a boat, and there he's opening the dark sayings upon the harp. And now, so here we have him opening dark sayings in verse two. He opened his mouth and taught them. Now, he's going to reveal these hidden, hidden, hidden truths in his teaching. So it makes us think about, you know, it says he opened his mouth. It makes us think about, how did he do it? How do you think he did it? Did he just kind of, you know, talk in kind of a monotone maybe, or, you know, is it boring? I don't know. No, it's, it, there's a picture of how he spoke in Proverbs 8.1. Proverbs 8.1, when it says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places by the way and the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call. My voice is to the sons of men. O you simple, understand wisdom. Ye fools, be of understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. The opening of my mouth shall be right things. So the Lord, as he's teaching now, he's the great crier. He's the great declarer of the truth when he opens his mouth. When he opens his mouth, he's proclaiming, he's declaring, he's crying out. And when we read this about him opening his mouth, it makes us think about a time when he didn't open his mouth. When does the Bible say he didn't open his mouth? When he was accused, when he was oppressed, when he was afflicted. In Isaiah 53, 7, Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. So here it's emphasized how he didn't open his mouth. When he's on the Sermon on the Mount, he's opening his mouth, but when he's being accused and oppressed and afflicted, he's not opening his mouth. Why? Because it shows his complete willingness to be this righteous offering, to be this sinless offering for our sins. We we were talking about that in the breaking of bread, how gladly thou hast suffered. He was glad to do this. And he didn't open, and that's why he didn't protest. That's why he didn't say, no, don't do that to me. What are you doing? No, he didn't open his mouth because gladly thou hast suffered for me. Okay, for us. So he taught them saying, and as we, we see this, he taught them saying, makes us think back to John 1, to this name, this very special name that was given to the Lord in John 1, 1, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The Word was God. He's got this name, the Word. The Word that's with God. The Word that was God. A Word communicates. A Word conveys a message. So with this name, we understand that He is God's communication to man. He is God's message to man. And then later on, we read in verse 14 of John 1, John 1, 14, that this Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us, And when the word was made flesh, there on the side of the mountain is the word that was made flesh. And he's teaching the people. Now, when you take that verse in verse two there, Matthew 5, 2, and you marry it together with John 1, 1 and John 1, 14, you come out with something like this. In the beginning was the word. The word was made flesh. The word opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So here he is. Now, He's teaching on the side of a mountain, and he starts his teaching talking about the poor in spirit in verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he starts out a whole series of these statements. Blessed are the, and he's got a number of them. 
You know, blessed, it's an interesting word. It's the Greek word makarios, makarios. You know, the island of Crete there in the Greek islands. The island of Crete was viewed like we look at Hawaii today. You know, it's like I could say. And it was viewed that, boy, anybody who lives on the island of Crete, he's got it made. He's happy. He's content. So this word makarios was used to describe anybody who lived on the, on the Greek island of Crete. It means a person who's just satisfied, he's joyful, he's got everything he wants, and, and it's, that's the underlying meaning of this word, Greek word, makarios, that's being used here, blessed are. So for each of these statements, when he's saying, blessed are the, he's saying, makarios are the, he's saying, as happy and satisfied and wanting nothing, nothing more in life, just like you were living on the island of Crete, are they that? That's the way to look at this. As happy and satisfied and wanting nothing more in life as like you were living on the island of Maui, are they that? Now he goes on and he makes these statements. And all of these statements are just so contrary to common thinking. You know, he starts off, verse three. He's gonna say, blessed are the poor in spirit. And yet the common thinking is the world says, no, Sad is everyone who's poor. He's gonna say in verse four, blessed are they that mourn. And the common thinking in the world says, no, unhappy are they that mourn. He's gonna say in verse five, he's gonna say, blessed are they that are meek. And the common thinking in the world's gonna say, no, abused are they that are meek and weak. Verse six, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. The world says, no, deprived are the hungry and the thirsty. Verse 10 and 11, when he gets to that point, he's gonna say, blessed are they that are persecuted and reviled. The world's gonna say, no, mistreated and depressed are they which are persecuted and maligned. Just the opposite of what the world says. So at the top of the list, right off the bat, he gives this description of the person who's really happy in life, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And he'd say, how can anyone, how can someone be happy who's poor? Poor in spirit. Well, it's very important, those last two words, in spirit, in spirit. There is a poverty in spirit, not a poverty in the flesh. There is an inner poverty, not an outer poverty. There is a poverty that's not measured by possessions. There is a poverty that's not measured by the bank account. And this is a poverty that the richest man in the world can know he has. This is a poverty that the richest man in the world can look at all his possessions and say, I'm a poor man. Because this is a poverty in spirit that the richest man in the world, he look at his wealth and he says, I'm poor. I'm poor in spirit. I'm poor inside. I'm poor because I'm empty. I'm poor because my heart feels hollow inside. I'm poor because I'm not really satisfied in life. I feel so dead inside. I'm so afraid of the future. I'm so afraid of dying. I feel so unready, unprepared to die. I just feel like I don't belong. I feel like my life is just built on straw. I feel so insecure inside. I I don't have any peace. I'm troubled. I'm so miserable. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. Reminds me of my father's fourth wife. I gotta remember, he had five, so this is the fourth one. I had to count, is this fourth one? Yeah. Anyway, her name was Betty. And Betty was a German Jewess. And all of Betty's family was killed in Germany in the Holocaust. She was German herself. But Betty had everything in her life when my father married her. She lived in a big, beautiful, 
house in Beverly Hills with a huge lawn in front of her. I remember the lawn, a big lawn. I thought, oh, it's such a big lawn in Beverly Hills. And so what happened was two months after my dad married Betty, Cheryl and I went up to visit Betty and my dad, and we actually spent the night in this big, giant, palatial house in Beverly Hills. So I spent the night. I remember the mattress was really thick. I'd never seen her mattress so thick, but anyway, sitting there, sleeping. And I remember how in the middle of the night, I got up and I thought, boy, am I thirsty. So I went into the kitchen. I went into the kitchen. You can get some water, okay. Everybody was asleep. But I noticed that the oven light was left on. So I said, oh, why, why do that? Turn the light off. So I turned the light off. Well, the next morning when I got up, Betty was hysterical because the light was off in the oven. And so I said, well, yeah, you know, I got up in the middle of the night and, and turned off the She said, no, you never turn off the light. You never turn off the light. You don't understand. She said, my family was burned in the ovens in the concentration camps in Germany. Therefore, the light of the oven, it has to always be on. You can never turn it off. Well, with that, you know, you can imagine, you know, I think I'd rather leave this palatial house and get back to my goat ranch in Lakeside. You know, this is weird. Outwardly, Betty had everything in life, but it wasn't enough. So two months later, she killed herself. She had everything outwardly. She had nothing inwardly. A person who has the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not poor in spirit. They are rich in spirit. That's a per- But a person who does not have the Lord Jesus Christ, he's poor in spirit. Now, I want to contrast a little bit what a saved person has in the Lord Jesus Christ versus a lost person does not have from the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna read some verses. I'm gonna read some verses, and I want you to tell me what a lost person does not have from the Lord Jesus Christ, from these verses. Okay, so here's the first one. You tell me. First John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. What's the lost person not have? They don't have life. Without inner life, a lost person is poor in spirit because he's spiritually dead inside. Now I'm gonna read another one. Romans 8.15, Romans 8.15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. What's the lost person not have? Without being adopted by God, a lost person is poor in spirit because inside he doesn't belong to God. And I'll read another one, John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. What's a lost person not have? He doesn't have the power, the authority, the title of being a son of God. He's poor in spirit because he has no special relationship to God like a son has with a father. Uh, John 3.36, John 3.36. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. What's the lost person not have? He doesn't have life without everlasting life and without the removal of the wrath of God. A lost person is poor in spirit because he only has an eternal judgment of pain and suffering forever to look forward to. Okay, John 5, 24, John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. What's a lost person not have? I'd have the great passing. 
you know, without passing from death to life. A lost person is, is poor in spirit because he's, he's not been delivered from the death that never stops. Okay, John 3.3, 3, John 3.3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What's a lost person not have? He'll never see the kingdom of God. He'll never see the inside of heaven. He'll never see it. He's poor in spirit. John 3, 5, John 3, 5, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's, he, what's a lost person not have? He doesn't have an entrance. A lost person is poor in spirit because he'll never see the gate of heaven open to him. He'll never see that. He has no entrance. 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What's a lost person not have? A lost person is poor in spirit because he's unredeemed, because he's dirty inside, because he's sinful, because he's ignorant of God's wisdom. Okay, uh, Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh, I live by the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. What's a lost person not have? Christ living in him. Without Christ living inside of him, a lost person is poor in spirit because he's alone inside. He's all alone. John 14, 27, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's a lost person not have? Doesn't have peace. He's poor inside because he's restless, he's troubled, and he's afraid. John 14, 6, John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What's a lost person not have? He doesn't have a way to the Father. He doesn't know the truth, how to get to the Father, and he doesn't have life to get to the Father. He cannot come to God the Father. He's poor in spirit. John 14, one through two, John 14, one through two. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. What's a lost person not have? He doesn't have a custom-made house by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's poor in spirit because he's gonna be forever homeless. Ephesians 1.7, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What's a lost person not have? He doesn't have redemption. He doesn't have forgiveness. And so he is at war with God. The war is going on with him. Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5 speaks about Jesus Christ, the faithful witness who washed us from our sins in his own blood. What's the lost person not have? He doesn't have cleansing. He doesn't have cleansing from his sin. He's inside, he's dirty. He knows it. This is what makes a lost person poor in spirit. He can be the richest man in the world, but he's lost. And he doesn't have what the Lord Jesus gives to saved people. He's poor in spirit. But verse three says, blessed are the poor in spirit. How can you be blessed when you're in that condition? Because verse three means blessed are those that know that they're poor in spirit. The problem is when a person doesn't realize that he's poor in spirit. The problem is when a person is thinking like the Laodiceans thought 
in Revelation 3.17, Revelation 3.17, where it says, because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with good, have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. See, when God said to those Laodiceans, just look at your condition, look at yourselves, look how much you are poor in spirit, their reply is, would be, poor in spirit? What are you talking about? I'm not poor, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods. I have so much, I don't need anything. And God says, no, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. The problem is they didn't realize that. They didn't realize they were poor in spirit. And because they didn't realize it, they didn't go, they didn't listen to the counsel of the Lord, which is the next verse. In Revelation 3.18, Revelation 3.18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, thou mayest be rich. White raiment, thou mayest be clothed. Shame of thy nakedness, do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salves, thou mayest see. This is the problem. When lost people do not realize they are poor in spirit, the problem is when the Bible says sin, they say, sin? What sin? And they say, like in Malachi, again, Malachi 3, Malachi 3.7, Malachi 3.7. God says to Israel, even for the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances, not kept them. Return unto me, I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? God says to Israel, return to me and I'll return to you. Israel says, what return? We never left. Well, how should we gonna return? We never left. How many people have you ever heard that? People say, I'm not lost. God and I are good terms, we're, we're fine. No problem between me and God. How many people say, me, sinful, what sin? I'm not a sinner. Malachi 3.8, Malachi 3.8. What, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings, God says, you're robbing me. Israel says, what robbery? I'm not robbing God. The problem is not being poor in spirit. The problem is not realizing that you're poor in spirit. This is the biggest problem we face in evangelism. Getting people to realize their need getting people to realize they're poor in spirit, getting people to let the law of God do its job. The law of God shows a person how sinful they are. In Galatians 3.24, Galatians 3.24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Because without a person realizing the extent of the dirtiness, the extent of the rottenness of their own personal sin, there's no start. There's no start with God. Without a person realizing he's poor in the spirit, he doesn't have a beginning with God. That's why poor in spirit is in the top of the list in verse three, because there's no start without this. There's no salvation from sin. There's no salvation from sin without a person realizing they're poor in spirit. And once a person realizes his own sinfulness, his poverty in spirit, then the people are in a good position to respond to the Lord's chief message, which was in the previous chapter, Matthew 4, 17, one word, repent. Then the person's gonna run to the Lord Jesus and he's gonna repent. He says, I'm so dirty, I'm so rotten. And the Lord says, I can help you with that. And when he does, and he says in Luke 13, Luke 12, 32, Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And the father gives that person the kingdom. And that's why Matthew 5, 3 says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are they that realize that they're poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being such a a helping God to help us out of our sin, help us out of our misery, 
Help us out of our dirty rottenness, Lord. And not just to do that alone, but then to give us the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at TomCantor at FriendshipWithGod.org, Tom Cantor at FriendshipWithGod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 